Welcome to Best Picture Cast, where we normally deep dive a different Best Picture winner each week with the goal to establish a ranking for the entire list. Tonight we'll be doing something a little different as we're beginning a series of episodes where we invite previous Best Picture Cast co-hosts on to talk about their top 10 favorite movies. So this isn't a best movies ever made list or whatever they think are the best movies they've ever seen. This is just 10 movies that they've put together that have either shaped them, impacted them, or they just love. And each co-host kind of has their own little twist or their own little idea of it. So today we have a very special co-host that we will be doing this for, most specifically because he is the first co-host that we've ever had on Best Picture Cast when we first started this, our pilot episode, The Departed, and he is Artie B. Artie, are you ready to do this and talk about your favorite movies here today? I'm very ready. This was a very fun exercise. I had a lot of fun putting this together, and I can't wait to discuss these movies. Yes, I am excited to hear what you have put together here, because we don't discuss or talk about these beforehand. You're, you're sitting with a packet of paper with a cover sheet on it that says RDB's eyes only. So this is, uh, this is hot news being released to the world here. And we have another co-host to share along in the experience here today. This is a man who's been on a few episodes here at Best Picture Cast, and someone who really only met Artie here for the first time, the last time we recorded as a, as a crew here, and that was for the Lion King episode, and that is Jay Dowski. Jay, welcome back. Thank you for having me. Pleasure to be here. Pleasure to listen to uh, Artie's uh, list. I'm excited to dive into it. I'm excited to have you chirp in. <laughs> That's right. And and although you guys don't have a, a vast history together, we had such a good time recording the Lion King episode, which I consider one of our wackiest and one of our best episodes. Uh, we had such a good time that Artie wanted uh, Jay you to be in the mix here for his list. So this is a this is an exciting thing. Yeah. And I'm I'm super super pumped to, to check this thing out. So Artie, talk a little bit about how this process was for you, how things went, the experience of putting these movies together. I know you specifically were having a hard time fully narrowing it down to ten. Yeah, I had like 23 movies and I was like, oh my God, how am I cutting any of these? So I had to make some kind of criteria. And it it really came down to, they're all my favorite movies, but what ones, I leave it on every time it's on. And when we really get to the top of the list, like I, I watch these movies multiple times a year for pleasure. And they're all very high quality. And that was the criteria I went by. Cool. And I should say that we do have a couple rules that were that were put forth that you had to that you had to go by. They weren't too strict or too constraining. It was you could not pick a best picture winner because we are going to talk about and deep dive every best picture winner there is. We don't need to spend any extra airtime on there and we get get some other movies in the mix. And another quick little caveat too was that if you picked a movie by a specific director, that could be the only movie from that director you could add to the list. So if you had a Tarantino movie, you're only going to talk about one. So it's essentially what you're calling your favorite Tarantino movie or Scorsese or Spielberg or whatever it might be. Believe it or not, I actually thought that wasn't really a hard part of formulating this list. I had pretty obvious favorites for some of my favorite directors. Interesting, yeah. And, and we have done this already with Joey R. and Grant Z. And they were kind of not happy about that rule. Grant specifically was not happy about the rule. And then by the time that he did it, I think it was he was kind of over and it wasn't as big a deal as 
as he had originally thought. But I'm interested with how you're going to go here with this. <laughs> the, the dynamic is cool because you know Artie very well. So you might have an idea about his list, whereas I have no idea what his list is going to. <laughs> you know, yeah, this be could like... be the wackiest <laughs> movie. <laughs> I might not like him after this. <laughs> That's what we do here at Best Picture Cast. We we bring people together. Well, I am a resident heel. So. That's it. I'm sure that that might get be that might be prepared indeed. That might play into things here. I think we'll start off about what we're drinking here today. And Artie, why don't you uh, say what you picked for this occasion? I am back to the Sierra Nevada sampler. The Sierra Nevada Wonderland Nectarine Ale. Not only is it delicious and fruity and right up Kieran's alley, it is 7.5%, so it's got a little kick behind the, the taste. So we'll see as we go down the list and you go up in alcohol, how with this uh, up in alcohol ABV, we'll see how this, this thing progresses here. I am going out of my way to pace myself tonight. Okay. All right. I've heard that before. Let's... Uh... <laughs> Each episode, is that's how I preface my episode. <laughs> so um, I picked a beer, as I mentioned earlier, Artie, you were on the first ever episode of Best Picture Cast. The pilot was The Departed. And it was an experience that was very unique to both of us because we had never... We weren't two podcasters who had an idea and joined forces to start a new podcast. We had no clue what we were doing. We just turned the iPad on and just started talking with a couple of beers and, and hoped for the best. Literally, that's what it was. Oh, yeah. the, the, the iPad sat on a couch arm, and we sat on opposite sides of the couch arm. <laughs> yeah, it's it's funny. And I, I listened to it a little bit of it today, just to kind of just get, get in the, a feel for how, how far we've come with this. And it's been a while. It was Just listening to it was pretty wild with how unsure we were about what we were doing and, and how far it's come with it. And I picked the beer that I was drinking on that very first day, and it is a little sad because it's been discontinued by yeah. Montauk, and Montauk's kind of been our resident brewery here at Best Picture Guest. This is the Session India Pale Ale. It was the first beer that I drank. I had to go back and listen to it to remember what the first beer I drank was, and this was it. And, and you can still find it in certain places. It's hard to find because they have discontinued it, but it is back here for the RDB episode. I wanted to pay a little homage that way. If you gave me betting odds when we recorded the Departed episode on what would be discontinued first, the podcast or the Montauk Session Ale, <laughs> it'd be plus 5,000 on the Montauk Session Ale and a cool minus 120 on the podcast. Yeah, yeah and, and that episode we recorded October of 2019. It didn't hit the air until... We finally debuted everything in February of 2020, so it was a couple months to even get our ducks in a row. It took that long to edit that one episode. Uh, oh, and then in listening to it, you can just hear how unsure we were. <laughs> I mean, we, the, it's the old podcast name is on there. Well, we spent we spent a month trying to figure out a day to go back in and try to make the last hour legible. Like, yeah, we almost re-recorded the We were going to re-record so we had qu content to work with. And yeah. then you're like, you know what, it's fine, we're just going to release it. We just hit a hard edit and, and release. Yeah, it was... It was a lot of fun, though, and a very memorable experience, and it's super cool hearing our episodes now and going back to that and hearing how, like, editing is super shaky and, you know, I was just learning how to do it for the first time. No, nothing, none of this was anything we had done before, so it, it was cool. And it's, to this day, our most listened to episode, so I'm sure thousands of people have listened to it and then never listened to another <laughs> Best Picture Guest episode again. He's like, ah, these guys are <laughs> But uh, there's been plenty of people who say that they that they really got a kick out of the episode, too, and... That there, we, we brought up a lot of stuff that's a part of they had never thought of. And it definitely sparked controversy because the next episode, or one of the immediate episodes after, was I had to defend all the hot takes I made. 
Yes, yes. I'm sure we'll talk about those uh, in a little bit here. So these were the episodes that Artie B was on. And there's a good number of them as you've been a, a frequent host here. And we'll start from the start. So it was episode one, The Departed. You were on the Broadway Melody Gangs of Goodfellas Defense, where you had to defend a lot of those hot takes from The Departed. You were on the Slumdog Millionaire episode, The Sound of Music, Argo, Roadhouse, our BPC Sub-50 tournament winner, The Lost Weekend, An American in Paris, Amadeus, Platoon, The Godfather, The Artist, The Godfather Part 2, The Lion King, and Chariots of Fire. 15 episodes all in all. That's not including the rankings episodes that you were on and some of the preview episodes as well. So, Artie, hearing that list of 15... This guy's like the Steve Buscemi of podcasting. <laughs> <laughs> get, a little, get a little roll and everything. In hearing that list of 15, what, what names pop out to you or what memories pop up? out to you about that? A couple for different reasons. Um, Gangs of Goodfellas Defense was a lot of fun, just because it was like a debate class. <laughs> Sound of Music was very surprising for a specific reason, is I didn't expect to like the movie at all, and it ended up being one of my favorite movies ever. So that, that episode with Joey R. really changed things for me, perspective-wise, doing this podcast. Uh, aside from that, the rest of those, I had a good time doing all those. Roadhouse and Argo were a ton of fun. An American in Paris is a great one. We just did Chariots of Fire with the new new guy, Joey B. Joe B. That's a good one. Uh, that's going to be a fun episode. I, these are all, I, I'm pretty happy about that. There's only a couple I'm not crazy about. But I'm not going to let you know what those are. <laughs> that's right. In looking at this list, I think one that just probably sticks out to me, I, I look at is, just because it was such a big project to tackle and how more or less nervous all, all of us were going into, and that's that's The Godfather. And we, we turned a really fun episode out of that, and it was just a, just a real blast. I think you added a real twist of, of humor to that episode that kind of made the whole project not seem as, as big as, as we, we were looking at it as beforehand. Some dark thematic material to try to lighten up. Yeah, for sure. And and also The, the Lost Weekend is a classic that's classic Artie B, just really, really going off on a movie that that you hadn't, where you've seen you'd seen once before, yeah, but yes, you had seen it before, but it was one you just really took the ball and rolled with, and you and Chris G were on that one, we had a really and, good time. And that's another movie that taught me that old movies can be absolutely amazing and timeless. Like that was before, that was when you were doing your challenge. Yes, yeah, very, yeah, a long time ago. You watched it and then immediately recommended it to me, and I watched it, and that was probably close to ten years ago. And probably more. Yeah, maybe even more. And so you were able to revisit that and, and do that podcast. That one was a lot of fun. So Jay, you were you were on just the one episode with Artie, and that was the Lion King episode. And I think you've heard a couple of, of ones of his before. When we're talking Artie B and we're summing him up, what what is what is coming to mind for you? Uh, I just think consummate professional, <laughs> <laughs> straight edge, you know, clean, <laughs> clean and decent. <laughs> Yeah, I just uh, we have a good time, knowledgeable in movies, good takes, and uh, good impersonations. <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, that that Lion King episode was a lot of fun. I just remember editing that and just being like, "This, <laughs> this is either the best thing or the worst thing I've ever heard." <laughs> I can't think of it. So well, I don't know. What, looking back at that episode, Jay, what like what what pops out to you? Uh, I mean, moments. Uh, it's a. I I had that when when I went and re-listened to it. 
I remembered things that I'd forgotten already because it was like a blur when you record it, <laughs> yeah. like anything. It's always a blur, and then it's fun to like listen to it again and be like, oh, yeah, that was great. Oh, yeah, that was great. Oh, yeah, that was great. Yeah, I mean, when I'm looking back at, at RDB, I mean, we, of course, the first place you're going to go is the very start with the whole Goodfellas fiasco, and, and you just deciding to rip Goodfellas <laughs> to shred in our, our pilot episode. Yeah. And we revisited that a bunch of times. I have fun with that. We, we did the whole good Gangs of Goodfellas defense episode, which is kind of tackling that, and some of the other co-hosts were upset by your takes. So that's obviously <laughs> the first place you go, and you've kind of you've kind of always been able to, to tell that hard line of saying the unpopular thing and making it making it entertaining. But I will say this, at more so than any co-host, and this is from people who don't even know you, they'll come up and say, you know, the guy already be, like, I'll search for the episodes that he's on and listen to those because they're so entertained. So That's flattering. Uh, you know, we get that from people who don't even know you. So that's, that's to me, is always fun to hear that. And you can, whether they love you or hate you, they like to listen to you. Which, and, you know, you, know you, you come out of the bat. Come out of the gates attacking a 97% Rotten Tomato movie in Goodfellas. It's, <laughs> you're going to get some controversy. It's funny. And you know what's, what's funny, too, in, in just in re-listening to that pilot episode today? You actually take the shot at Gangs in New York first, which I didn't remember. Like, that's the one that you pretty much are just like, oh, that movie is so overrated. Like, that movie stinks. And then, and then the Goodfellas really gets it in, in long form, but... Uh, very very funny stuff, nonetheless. And I'm excited to hear about you take over and and hear about the movies that you picked here. So without further ado, Jay, are you ready to to do this here? Let's dive. Okay, we're gonna dive into Artie's list, and we're gonna start with number ten. Artie, what is your number ten movie on Artie B's favorite movie list? All right, my number ten is a movie that came out in 2013, directed by Guillermo del Toro. Got Idris Elba and Charlie Day in it. One of the best movie theater experiences I've ever had. It was so good. Listen to this. I went to the movie theater and about eight minutes into the movie, the real cut. And they're like, we're not going to be able to get this going again. We can give you a free ticket to come back. And in the meantime, you could go see Wolverine. So I went and watched Wolverine. Came back a couple days later and saw Pacific Rim. Wow. Pacific Rim. By Guillermo del Toro. As a war between humankind and monstrous sea creatures wages on, a former pilot and a trainee are paired up to drive a seemingly obsolete special weapon in a desperate effort to save the world from the apocalypse. All-time stakes, phenomenal action, just an unbelievable movie. My wife is so annoyed at this movie <laughs> because I always leave it on. She'll be like, you can't really be watching this movie again. So, there's wow. my number 10, Pacific Rim, okay. Guillermo del Toro. Seems everyone is liking to have fun with their number 10 movie here. Jay, Pacific Rim, have you seen it? I, have, I have not seen it either. I am not having fun with my number 10 movie. <laughs> I cut other movies for this movie. Okay. I love this movie. Pacific Rim, I gotta add it to the watch list. It's not like normally those like disaster type movies are not, uh, or you know, Monster action movies aren't usually the first place I go. You it's know. also a cool story. It's done differently. It's not a standard monster movie. Yeah, monster movie. Love Idris Elba and Charlie Day, and I like Guillermo del Toro, so it's all checking some boxes there. Yeah, it's good stuff. Now, I have to ask you, did he do... There's a sequel to that, too. He did not do he it. He did not do the sequel. No, okay. Pacific Rim Uprising is and, terrible. And it's bad. Okay, all right. Terrible. So they, they, those types of things tend to blend together. Pacific so. Rim is a great story. Pacific Rim Uprising is just, let's throw some special effects out there. Wow. Okay. All right, that's number 10. Let's talk number nine. Number nine is a movie from 1996, okay. directed by Michael Bay. 
Ooh, ooh, if you wait. We got Sean Connery, Ed Harris. I can't believe you said that. Nicol- I was, I Nicolas Cage. That on my list. <laughs> and we have an uncredited screenwriter in this movie, and it's Quentin Tarantino. Oh. And we're talking about The Rock. The Rock, a mild-mannered chemist and an ex-con, must lead the counter-strike when a rogue group of military men, led by a renegade general, threaten a nerve gas attack from Alcatraz against San Francisco. Wow, The Rock. Jay, you, you uh, kind of winced a little bit. This is a movie you considered putting on your list. You're bashed. <laughs> Losers always complain about their bashed. Winners go home and fuck the prom queen. <laughs> yes. Carla was the prom queen. <laughs> and he gives that little like, uh, <laughs> really? really? <laughs> my favorite I, line from that movie is, my blueprint's in my head. <laughs> Stanley Goodspeed. I was going to put this on my list. Uh, I think it's probably the best. I was just thinking, when I was driving here, I was thinking, it's so weird how great that movie is and how it's got to be Michael Bay's best movie, probably Nicolas Cage's best movie. And The, the Candyman's in it. Plays Ed Harris' yep. number, like, 1A, yep. 2A. Who, who made his BPC appearance in Platoon. Yep. I just think, like, the storyline is so high stakes. It's so good. It's like, so it's good. Really good. Yeah. And it's ultimate rewatchability. And this like, major action scene in San Francisco with the, you just fucked up your Ferrari. It. It's not mine. Yeah. Neither is this. And he takes the bike. So a, good. Unnecessary car chase. Yeah, started. just literally just down the hills of San Francisco, <laughs> yeah. blowing up railway cars. It's amazing. Uh, another another platoon veteran, John C. McGinley, in, in the mix there, too. And Ed Harris plays just like, like an awesome kind of like, I don't. I mean, it's not too complicated of a victim, but he's 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 not like just your 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 stone cold bad guy that you see in a lot of these Mike, Michael Bay style action movies. Like he's sympathetic. He, yeah, there's there's some layers. Not to spoil it, he's bluffing the whole movie. Like yeah. he's bluffing, and they call it, and he's like, "Oh shit!" They call their bluff. And it's just a great assembly of of goons. You know, it's a great bad guy faction that they what, have going. What a climax as the green balls rolling and Cage is stabbing himself, putting his hands in the air and the plane. Oh, it's just an amazing movie. Can't shut this movie off. Brilliant. Yeah, I would say probably Michael Bay's best also. I, w- I would consider maybe Armageddon is probably the, the one that battles there. I think um, this since this is ni- uh, 96, this is before they were like, all right, here's $300 million. You know, here's yeah. 50. Make a good movie. And it's got like the classic action movie one-liners there's so many good yep. one-liners in that movie like any arnold schwarzenegger movie would have like nicholas cage has got so many you know let's cut the chit chat a-hole you oh, know he's just like uh, such a great like geeky he's so funny good. you know oh and it's it's action. Nick cage yeah, becoming is, an action hero yeah and it's absolute prime it's <laughs> post nick cage oscar so he like took the oscar he's like all right now i'm just gonna be like an a-list action guy and it's like high stakes on top of high stakes because at the end of the movie he goes and finds a thing sean connery was stealing and it was like who shot jfk oh, yeah. the truth about roswell like every yeah, right. american <laughs> secret yeah. Yeah. I should I should say that while you know while we've spoiled the rock for you here I'm sure you've seen it at this point we're, we're going to be pretty spoiler sensitive moving out so if you're already, if you're already getting startled and and getting some getting, getting we, trigger happy can we set a year date on that I mean if it's pre two thousand can I spoil it we're like we're talking over twenty five yeah years I mean ago. you know if it's something like Titanic you know then yeah we can like, we can spoil it but we're gonna be we're gonna be spoiler we'll call it spoiler sensitive. Will be spoilers. Well, I literally just ran through every part of that movie. I I, I don't think you upset any, anyone by spoiling the rock. I think they'll they'll still have a fun time when the, when the green balls are rolling all around the, the, when they know what they actually are. Such you know? a cool. All right, I'm not gonna. I could spend five hours on the rock. Yeah. 
I, right. I do I do want to say though, just to leave this here on that that little Rock vs. Armageddon debate. I do enjoy watching The Rock more than I enjoy watching Armageddon. Like if you're talking about Artie, like what they'll keep on first. Like and I like Armageddon, I do. Yeah. But I just think The Rock has that that's gonna suck me in quicker. I Agreed. Think. Something timeless about The Rock. Yeah. I think it's Quentin's uncredited screenwriting. It could be. It could be. So, number nine is The Rock. RDB, what is number eight? Number eight, I'm representing the directors who probably have my true favorite movie of all time, and that's the Coen Brothers. Okay. So we're touching in 1996, touching down in 1996. We got William H. Macy, Steve Buscemi, Francis McDermott. This is Fargo. Jerry Lundegaard's inept crime falls apart due to his and his henchmen's bungling and the persistent police work of the quite pregnant Marge Gunderson. This movie's a little quiet little masterpiece. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, sure. Real good, then. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. You gotta have a breakfast. <laughs> Come here, Marge. I'll make you some eggs. Fargo <laughs> oh, no. is one of those movies that in middle school I clicked for me and, and helped me understand that, you know, I the film is a thing and I am into it, you know, and it's a movie that never has gone away. It's people when you first still realized you were a cinephile. Yeah, that's right. Like. And it's it's just never gone away. It's, people still bring it up. People still talk about it. It's hard to like put your finger on why it's so great and why it's so uh, timeless and, and lasting. And when because it, it's a movie that was up for best picture and didn't win in a year, I think people probably thought. At least looking back, they certainly thought it should have won. I think it lost to the English Patient, but it never probably never was close to winning or came close to winning because of the content. I feel like it would have won nowadays. Now, was that their first great movie, the too? smaller movies are, are more popular to win Best Picture, like now, you know? Yeah. Simple Back Stories, then, like, No Flash. Epic, you know, Braveheart was just right before this, so like, oh, English Patient. You yeah. Know, right. got... yeah. Yeah, the epics, but... It, and then Titanic's I, the next year. They right. were loving these movies. I'm sure Coen Brother fans will talk to you about some of their earlier ones that, that they love, but this was their first, like, Mainstream big big one, you know, Shammy, Macy, that real cast. There was Raising Arizona, Blood Simple, and Miller's Crossing, and Barton Fink. I think those, but but yeah, none that that were on the scale of Fargo was. Fargo was a mainstream hit. This movie also tricked me for like twenty five years with the whole "this is a true story" thing. Yeah, I think I broke that news to you like somewhat recently, Uh, a few years ago. But it wasn't a true story. It's just it's not true. They just say it's true. Yeah, they took... It's they, totally fake. I don't it's believe that. It's just a fictional... Well, that's called... What's that called? When you spoiler hold on to deeply preserve beliefs? Spoiler alert. <laughs> oh, that's... Uh, all right. That's, I, think I, I think I texted uh, Kieran this during the winter. Fargo is a movie I watch every winter, during, whenever it snows. Every year I watch Fargo. It's, it's like the, the go-to snowy, cold day movie for me. And I love when there is just a complete psychopath interjected into a movie where there's like not, it's kind of just, he's a wild card. Who? Uh, uh, Buscemi's partner, yeah, I don't yeah. know his name. So I, re- I remember the, I remember, I read the script to this movie when I was in a script reading phase, and the first word he says, the big guy, um, Buscemi's partner, is ungent. It's like the ugliest word ever, but he gets bit, so he needs oh, ungent yeah. on his finger. It's yeah. I, just such an ugly first word for like a monstrous silent character. Thought Holy that was so square. brilliant. Thought that was so brilliant. Yeah. Holy <laughs> square. 
Oh yeah, I'll yeah. send those right over. Yeah. And I feel like it's like like if you wanted to watch like the Coen Brothers' most perfect film, you know, like w- with their style, this is it. Like dark comedy to a T. This movie. And yeah. and a uh, random case found with money in it. Right. You know right. that gets passed around. It <laughs> happens in every Coen Brother movie. You know, like. Uh, Buscemi's, Buscemi's partner in that is uh, Gayar Grims, Grimsrud. Yeah, that's right. The, that's the character's it's name. The, the actress is Peter Stromar. Who, who plays that. So. He's in Armageddon, isn't he? Yeah. Uh, he he's possibly. the Russian. He's like, Russian, Russian component of the whole night in Taiwan. Is he? Yeah. Welcome to the Russian space station. Yes, yes. It is. It's it. Yeah. 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 Yep. So he, he, the tie-in awards are coming in already. Yeah. I, I love that he's just such an ugly name, almost like unpronounceable. And the first word he says is Ungent. He's like, what? <laughs> Ungent. Yeah. Just, I have to shout out uh, BPC favorite John Carroll Lynch in that one, too. He plays, yeah. Norm. plays uh, Norm. Perfect guy to play Norm. Perfectly cast. And I love the antiheroes and a nine and a half month pregnant cop versus a complete psychopath maniac is the ultimate yeah. showdown. I love that. My big shout out I give is just the is just the the Wild West cowboy grandpa who just decides he's gonna he's gonna, he's, gonna he's not no one's getting his money and he's he's bringing a gun and he's yeah. gonna he's out of touch with yeah. reality. I have money, I can do what I want. Just a gunslinger. All right, great stuff. All right, so that was your number eight, Artie. That was my number excellent, eight. Excellent, excellent choice there. Like where we're going so far with this here. Number seven. Number seven is a Sergio Leone classic from 1966. We're talking about the good, the bad, and the ugly. Mm-hmm. We got Lee Van Cleef, Eli Wallach, who quietly steals the movie, and Clint Eastwood, of course. Oh, yes. A bounty hunting scam joins two men in an uneasy alliance against a third in a race to find a fortune in gold buried in a remote cemetery. This is number nine on IMDb's top movie list. It's, I believe it's Quentin Tarantino's favorite movie of all time. And it is the origin of the Ecstasy of Gold song. Yes, by the incomparable composer. Uh, It's also the origin of... Yeah, it's, it, that's, it's one of the greatest it's from scores. that. It's one of the one of the greatest scores I'll ever hear. Any Ennio Marconi is the is the composer. He's just and he did not win an Oscar until his work with Quentin Tarantino. Hey, Fillet, Fillet, yeah, which is another amazing score. Yeah, so I mean, I mean, Ennio Marconi's score in that dude. I mean, I think that's when people watch that movie, they'll hear this and they'll go, "Oh, this is from this. This is from this." So, like, there were movies like Lost Weekend and whatnot that got me into, like, wow, old movies can be good, and I'm appreciating the way films are made. And then I saw The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly, and I'm like, oh, my God, if, if this came out today, this would be up for Best Picture. Like, I could see everything from four or five directors, like, what they pay homage to. I'm not going to say copy, but they're heavily influenced by Sergio Leone. And this movie is just like, it's like if you read a modern-day mystery book and then discover Sherlock Holmes and you're like oh shit this is like the original big mystery yeah. this is cool that's what good the bad and the ugly was for me like the the thing that inspired all these future movies and while you're picking up mystery books at, at Amazon or or your local bookstore you can pick up Jay Dowski's very own book bury me in Montauk right Jay so we got to get the plug in for the book there <laughs> <laughs> yeah we'll have to talk about it when uh, I get my spotlight. That's right, when, <laughs> it's, your you the, it. <laughs> when it's your time in the sunshine, we'll get its proper, proper plug. The Good, the Bad, and the Ugly, Jay. Is it, is it one you've seen? I saw it once, and I thoroughly enjoyed it. I saw it because I read that Tarantino loved it. Yeah. And uh, 
Yeah, it was uh, definitely awesome. And like you said, it's one of those movies where you're like, oh, that's where that's from. <laughs> yeah, it, it's a movie that should not scare you away with its runtime. It is a long movie, but it's a movie that moves. And I'll say The Good, The Bad, The Ugly is a movie that I saw on your your persistence already. You said this is, you know, you knew I was watching a bunch of these movies and you said, you have to see The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly. You have to stop what you're doing and go and get it. And I, I did, and I'm a, a huge Metallica fan I'm wearing a Metallica shirt right now. And they, they use that, The Ecstasy is Gold, as their intro to every concert they do. So, you know, chills down the spine every time they come out when that plays and up on the big screen, they show the, the graveyard and, and the, the great camera work there for that. So, yeah, just, just an absolutely insanely good movie. And I, I want to say, you know, I don't know if you said the year 1966. Yeah. But 1966, we, you know, we always talk about how the Oscars, they, for, they, they miss on certain movies because of the genre. And usually we, we refer to horror and comedy. They're kind of the ones that we've talked about a lot. Westerns in the 60s, especially like the spaghetti westerns filmed over in Europe, there were so many of them and they were done so often that they weren't always taken seriously as an art form. I could see how this could get lost in the and other ones. That's kind of what happened. That's why this movie wasn't up for the awards that it should have been up for because, I mean, it's one of the best scores of all time. And it's also, this is some of the best, if not the best, camera work I've ever seen in a movie. Yeah, yeah. And wonderful Hands directing, down. wonderful score. Uh, a good screenplay. I mean, there's there's the overdubbing in there, which you know affects the acting a little bit, but it's it doesn't doesn't bother my experience with it. It, it it's somehow good enough that that doesn't even matter. Yeah, for sure. So that was number seven. Number seven. So we're on to my nice. number six. The end of my top, my back end of my top five, of okay. my top ten. All right, number six. Number six is a Bong Joon Ho movie from okay. 2017, Okja. This movie is so fucking good. I cry like three or four different parts of this movie. Every time I watch it, I put it on probably every like month or so. Just throw it on at night, watch it. A young girl risks everything to prevent a powerful multinational company from kidnapping her best friend, a fascinating beast named Okja. Have you watched it with your kids? Yes, and like my, my daughter, Etta, who is two, and my daughter, Olive, who is five, were like, no, no, at the screen, like, <laughs> into it, sucked in emotionally, the same way I, and meanwhile, I'm sitting there crying, like, no, no, at the same time. Bong Joon-ho knows what the fuck he's doing, man. He writes awesome, awesome movies, and I had a, a couple of his I was thinking about, but this is the one that made it. It's Okja at six. This is one you've been pushing on me for quite a while here, and being that you slid it number six right ahead of Good, the Bad, and the Ugly, I guess I have to watch it now. I have to just... Joey R., I know, loves the movie too. Jay, have you seen Okja? I always pass it on Netflix, and I always want to check it out, so I have to do it now. Jay, yeah. I expect a text halfway through of you going, thank you, Artie. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> Fantastic. Wow, Okja. All right, so that's, that's yeah, it's been sitting on my watch list there for a little while. Because it's, I, I really like Bon Joon Ho and you know I've seen The Host and obviously Parasite and, right. and uh, Snowpiercer and it, it I know I'm going to like it so I think some, sometimes those movies that you know you're going to like you keep in your back pocket yeah they sit on the watch list for a little bit because you, you know you'll get to them and enjoy it so. yep wow Okja number six that's big alright so we have the top five coming up before we do so yes cover up the top secret files over there. before we do that we're going to talk about some of the movies that would have been considered for this list had we had no rules. Now, I, I do want to say, if 
one of those movies is by a director that you haven't mentioned yet. We'll hold off on that, and you'll mention it when we get up to that director, if it's in, in your top five. Okay. So we'll talk about the, the, the out of the directors that we've discussed already, and any Best Picture winners that, that would have been on there. So what, okay. what other ones do you think would have been in contention? Um, I know No Country for Old Men would have been there. You kind of that's, suggested that there. Yeah. That's my favorite movie ever. That, that's a Coen Brothers movie. Um, talk about inserting psychopaths in movies. Right. <laughs> uh, Gladiator would be on there. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lawrence of Arabia would be on there. All episodes we have not done yet. Yeah. Yeah, Gladiator, Lawrence of Arabia, and No Country for Men. Last those would be on there. Strewn across those three yeah, that, that's those are three that would definitely definitely be on there. Cool. All right, yeah, so I'm, I'm definitely looking forward to to checking out those movies again and, and recording it here. I just, I normally when I go on other podcasts, I don't do Best Picture winners just because we don't want to be redundant. I want to kind of save my thoughts for this. I did recently go on the 1001 by 1 podcast to talk about Lawrence Arabia as a tribute episode to Ian Woodington, who passed recently. And it was totally an experience and it, probably, you know, one of my favorite, if not, you know, a top movie. Yeah, it's... for sure. I, I can't wait to talk about it here. When we do, it will be a two part episode. We've, we've kind of chatted a little bit about how we're going to do it. I think that's going to be like a season four premiere situation. Yeah. Cool. But it's going to be super interesting to talk about. But uh, great, yeah, great choices there. Those, those. You know, I don't want to rattle off every Best Picture winner I like. But, but those are the would, ones that, that These stick would out. contend with the list, yeah. yeah. So we're ready for the top half of Artie B's list. I'm eagerly anticipating this here. Artie, are you ready to hop right into number five? I'm ready. Jay, are you ready? I'm ready. Okay. All right. We're going to jump into what I think is the best action movie ever made. Wow. Starts with a bold statement here. Best action movie ever made? John McTiernan's Die Hard from 1988 with Alan Rickman's on-screen debut. We got Bruce Willis. We got the guy who plays Carl Winslow. No idea what his name is. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone would know him as Carl Winslow. An NYPD officer tries to save his wife and several others taken hostage by German terrorists during a Christmas party at the Nakatomi Plaza in Los Angeles. Uh, this is the best action movie ever made. Yeah, I mean, it pretty much started the trend of this type of action movie. You have a hero. The 90s action came, basically generated out of this. And I love the characters. The terrorists are pretending to be terrorists to create a facade to steal money, basically. They're just robbers. The hero just happened to be in his room when the... When everyone was being taken hostage and he was able to hide, he's just a regular NYPD cop. He's barefoot the whole movie. I was just going to say that. That's the most impressive part. <laughs> his, his wife and him are going through marital issues. Uh, the FBI shows up and they're like a bunch of buffoons. They're named Johnson and Johnson. <laughs> the movie is, it has everything you could ever want in an action movie. Can you do a uh, Alan Rickman? Ah, uh, can I do an Alan Rickman? Uh. Where are the detonators? It's <laughs> <laughs> the best I can do right there. I don't know. Did you have one, Jay? Uh, uh, I gotta get, you got to get it like real well. Mm-hmm. Be like, Mr. McLean, what are you, some sort of cowboy? <laughs> you know? <laughs> um, What's your relationship with, with, uh, with Die Hard, Jay? I, I think I see it every year because it's on every year. Um, We're around Christmas time. Great action film. I love the tension in this movie. Like, there's the part where Alan Rickman is pretending to be the, uh, one of the hostages. Right. And you're like, ooh, like, dramatic irony. I love me a good case of dramatic <laughs> irony. Like, don't trust him, Bruce. Don't trust him. Um, yeah. And it's like, 
Bruce Willis, like quintessential Bruce Willis, where he's like pissed at the world. But you know, and he's got great sarcastic delivery. He's got great comedic timing in this movie. It's yeah. hilarious. Super quotable. And, and this is his origin of that character. Yeah, it's awesome. Creating that witty. Do you know, he's so vulgar, curses throughout. Is it is it a Christmas movie though? Oh, we're doing the debate here. It's amazing how this debate almost produces a fifty percent on either side, no matter what group of people. Are. I'm already on with you. I, the director I not, said it's not a Christmas movie. I just go by that. I do not consider it a Christmas movie either. Jay, it looks like you I do. Think, no, I think. Oh we're wow, we're a clean sweep here. This room. Now, it's a movie that takes place during Christmas right. time. No, I know there are BPC co-hosts who are not happy about right. this. Grant yeah, being Grant leading group the, of the three, charge. There's another yes. group of three yes. where yeah. they're like, oh yeah. But now, have you seen Gremlins? Do you consider Gremlins a Christmas film? I also don't consider Gremlins no. a Christmas film. I, I for me, to, to define a Christmas film for me is is Christmas is the center of the, the narrative. The Christmas oh, yeah. spirit has to be present. Yes. I mean, it, this movie clearly could have taken place on somebody's birthday, you know, or, or something. I hear so. you. Yeah. I hear you. Yeah. But, and I, I just have to shout out again. I said this on the Lion King episode. I'm a diehard with a vengeance guy. I love that movie. Love it. You know that wasn't written as a diehard? It was I, just I written as an action yeah, movie. I believe it. Yeah, and it was supposed to be Lawrence Fishburne in that one. Who? And he, that's the one with Samuel L.? Uh, yeah, instead of Samuel L. And he, his agent insisted that he big-time the role because they couldn't find anyone to fill those shoes in that role. They looked at the role. It was so perfect for Fishburne that he just he backed off of it. And that's right around the same time Pulp Fiction comes out. And Samuel L. is just just takes off like a rocket. Can we He's just perfect for that movie? Can we just talk about the fact that Jeremy Irons has two of the all time villains in movie history here with Scar <laughs> and Simon? Is yeah. the fourth one? Or third. The third one. Third. How it's, many? Did, how many just sequels does it end up spawning? Is it? Do we want to go into this? There's there's three, and then there's Live Free or Die Hard with um, Justin Long. Justin, that's a good one with Justin Long and Stephen Dorff. Is this Stephen Dorff? No, he's the bad guy no. from, from Scream 2. Yeah, I always mix him up with Stephen Dorff. Timothy Oliphant? Tim, yeah, 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 Timothy Oliphant from yeah. Once Upon a Time, yeah. That's and a great one. And then there's one after that, too, right? Uh, I think there's two after that. Oh, my goodness. Get rich or die harder or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> there's something like that out there. And yeah. now there's just a, a die hard car battery commercial that he's into. <laughs> Is it? So, yeah, he finally merged them over. Because I always remember growing up as a kid, you'd see those car batteries. Like, oh, die hard. Is that like uh, from the movie? Like no, I think it's just another thing. Also, a great title. Yeah, just evasive. The whole movie. It's you an know? all-time great movie title. Yeah, it really is. Okay, number five is Die Hard. I don't think anyone's complaining out there. Maybe some, but I, I think it's a good choice. Tell me you don't leave that movie on. You're a liar. This is why this uh, format. This is why I like. What's your favorite movies instead of what do you think are the best movies? Because right. that's like a predictable list. Like this yeah. is you this could be anything. What's yeah. coming Whatever. next? Yeah. <laughs> Literally, I have no idea what he's going to say. I think I think when Artie said Pacific Rim, Jay started sweating. Whoa, strap in, boys. It's only number ten. Yeah. Oh, there's a chance I might not have heard of any of these movies. Yeah, I'm like, well, anyway, number four is Masters of the Universe. No. <laughs> With Dolph Lundgren, Courtney Cox. No, all right. So uh, number four, number four, I think is the best comedy ever made, and it's uh, from two thousand eight. It's by Adam McKay, Will Ferrell, John C. Riley. Step Brothers is the funniest movie I've ever seen in my life. Wow! I think every line is funny. I continue to leave the movie on and find new funny things. It's it's. Perfect. It's perfect. 
It's a Number perfect four. comedy. Wow. Number four. Cool. I can't shut this movie off. It doesn't matter. When Dale's... When Derek's wife is being dumped by Dale on the cliffs. Like, I just saw <laughs> that scene the other day. I couldn't oh, stop. Oh, look, a whale! <laughs> what? Where? <laughs> Dude, I, I, it, the movie's perfect. It's perfect. So quotable. Just throwaway lines. The dad's uh, funny. The uh, mom's Richard Jenkins, funny. Richard, Jen- Richard Jenkins' performance of that is incredible. incredible. Mary Steenberger. Uh, Adam Scott. It's just, I was going to say, the sweet child of mine. In the car, right? Oh, it's oh arguably, it's, probably my favorite scene in the movie. It's one of yeah. the funniest scenes I've ever seen in my life. I've never went, ha, 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 in a movie as much as I have in that scene. Yeah, just just amazing. I mean, I, I could be doing absolutely anything, and it will stop while that scene's on, and I will finish that, at least that scene. Is that your favorite Will Ferrell movie? Yeah. Favorite Adam McKay movie, favorite Will Ferrell movie. Is it your favorite John C. Riley movie? Adaptation's really good. <laughs> Not yeah. adaptation. Um, uh, Magnolia is really good. Yeah. That might be up there. Yeah. Also Kong Skull Island. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's it's probably my favorite Will yeah, Ferrell, John C. Riley, yeah, Adam yeah, McKay. It's, it's, in that movie. It's for the longest time for me it was Anchorman, and I think I've transitioned over to to Step Brothers at this point. What, as your funniest movie ever? Yeah, as, as my favorite comedy. All right, ever. hey, yeah, we're on board and, here. And Will Ferrell and Adam McKay. And I, because you know, that's the clean sweep from Anchorman to, to Step Bros. Dumb and Dumber always is in the mix there for me, too, though. So, I, I, so now I don't want to skip anything. I want to read you the premise of this movie. Let's do it. Two aimless middle-aged losers still living at home are forced against their will to become roommates when their parents marry. This, that doesn't tell you enough. Yeah. Yeah, great stuff. <laughs> that's what they say is like a good comedy. You laugh just reading the synopsis. Yeah, you know? like that's ridiculous. It's one sentence. Yeah, I mean, it's a movie about absolutely nothing too. And those are always the best, the best kinds. You know? Yeah, all time improving in that movie. So too, you have no more comedies after this on your list. Uh, one is actually half considered a comedy for some reason, but we'll comedy. get we'll get to that. Okay. So now we're up to number three. That number was, three. Brothers was your number four. Yeah. Cool. All right, number three. So number five was best action movie ever, I think, that I leave on all the time. And number four is best comedy ever. I think this is the best sci-fi movie ever made, too. Wow, so you're hitting your genres in the in the upper half. It just so happens. Cool. My favorite yeah. movie's in my favorite genre. You know, we're right. getting to that. 2014, team of explorers travel through a wormhole in space in an attempt to ensure humanity's survival. It's a Christopher Nolan movie with Matthew McConaughey, Anne Hathaway. Jessica Chastain, Michael Caine, Casey Affleck. This movie is interstellar. I think this is the best sci-fi movie ever made. I cry multiple times throughout the movie. The feels are all there. Superhuman feelings while literally traveling through interstellar space. Masterful, masterful visual effects. They brought Kip Thorne on, who just won the um, Nobel Prize for physics for discovering gravitational waves, to do all the physics behind the black hole and the time dilation. It's as as scientifically accurate as can be while being a Hollywood movie. And then the end just blows your mind. This is it for me, number three, Interstellar. Put it on all the time. Wow. So this is the biggest, I think the biggest... The hot take bomb you've dropped here from from my standpoint but jay interstellar uh all i can say Artie, is you were my ghost <laughs> <laughs> um I, I like every christopher nolan movie this is probably my least favorite christopher nolan movie wow um you know i probably would watch it again but it's not something i go out of my way to watch what's your favorite nolan movie 
<laughs> unless my it's favorite? on your unless it's on your list. No, my favorite is the Prestige. That's mine too. Yeah, that's a great one. That, that, that's besides it's, Interstellar. It's yeah. between the Prestige or Memento or no, probably Batman Begins for me. Any, yeah. but I um, I gotta say, like I mean, Interstellar. Like I like Interstellar. I do. It's a great cast. It's a, it's a really strong movie. But I was gonna say the same thing Jay said. It's just not anywhere near my top Nolan movies. I, I probably could pick four or five quickly that I like better. This is also a topic I happen to be super fascinated in. I read books like this is what I read about in my free time. Right. So you're, you're checking your you're checking your your astrophysics, your quantum physics. I'm interested in it. Yeah, yeah so that's, I, I can see that big, just, big space guy. You geek out on this movie. So, oh, it's, I just love it. The time dilation is so cool. McConaughey's amazing in this movie. Amazing. When he first sees that his daughter is aged so much and he's crying in the chair. That's just yeah. amazing. think about the filmmaking amazing. of that scene. There's a camera on his face and they're like, "You got to ball your eyes out." He's like, all right, "Action!" And he's like, "All right." Right, here we go and he just does it he executes like I cry that scene because I'm watching him cry so passionately nah, yeah, uh, that it's movie good. has so <laughs> many feels for being an interstellar space movie Seriously. I absolutely love McConaughey I feel like we've as an audience we've like oddly experienced waves of our life where we've had both too much and not enough of him it's, it's hard to explain like there's like a time period where there's just way way too much Matt McConaughey and now I feel like we're being deprived of him yeah well you know, Sahara so. and Ed TV like <laughs> in my face right the, the movies with Kate Hudson and and the, the guy from that thing you do how to lose a guy and and saving Silverman yeah it, I can't remember the Jason Biggs or the um, oh the other guy oh the, uh, the other guy. remember the guy with Will Jack Black yeah yeah the guitarist yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Steve Zahn Steve Zahn yeah, yeah, yeah right. Saving <laughs> Silverman he just like they yeah. have a they have a decent movie comedy sort of idea and they're like let's, let's, we need Steve Zahn he's got to be the sidekick R. Lee Ermey and Neil Diamond did that one too oh god that's good stuff have you seen Dallas Buyers Club uh, no, but that's Ooh. one of the ones that's on my list that I know I'm going to like, yeah. so it sits in my pocket. Yeah. Have, you, have you seen that yeah. one, Jake? Yeah, that's it. Then. So that was your number three, Artie. Before we get to the top two here, the silver and gold medal of this list, we're going to talk about some of your honorable mentions. And you are, like, Mr. Honorable Mention for Best Picture Guys. Every time we do we do anything, like, if we if we decide to get, like, dinner as a group, you, you have a list of honorable mentions of what you would have preferred to have. So this is your chance to actually have a list of honorable mentions what are the movies that just missed your list, Harvey? So, how many am I allowed to name? I have this eight. is your episode. All right, you can name so as many as you want. We're going to go through real quick. Jurassic Park is one of my favorite movies ever. It doesn't age well. Whoa. No? No. It, 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 I, I, I don't know. As I got older, I'm, I'm not as... So, this is like the part of the, the podcast where people were wondering. They're like, I thought this guy was supposed to be the heel. Like, he seems so... I love his list of movies. This is yep. great. And now we're at now we're the yeah, and, and we're you know Jurassic all of a sudden no, no, Jurassic no. Park no. has aged terribly. It, it, what like since I, I the Jurassic like period it's aged. Terribly. <laughs> 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 Listen, I love Jurassic Park, but I'm not going to put it on my list of one of my top ten because I don't leave it on anymore. I, I've seen it a million trillion times. I don't leave it on anymore. I okay. don't do it. So it just missed. So it is still an honorable mention for your Honorable favorite mention, list. yeah, but I'm giving you the reason it didn't make it. I okay. had to find something. Mission Impossible 3, I think, is one of the three best action movies ever made. It's directed by J.J. Abrams with always Tom Cruise. One you always Philip Seymour about. Hoffman's the bad guy. The movie's fucking perfect. Probably one you thought about plugging in instead of Pacific Rim. Uh, and it's actually that fought with The Rock and Pacific okay, Rim. Yeah. Okay, gotcha. Um, Tin Cup, 
I think is one of the best sports movies ever made. With Kevin Costner, Cheech, Cheech Marin, whatever we called him last time. Still waiting for that. Marine? Uh, Cheech Marine. What? Top sports movie BPC tournament. Uh, yeah. so, <laughs> so there are some I keep in the back of my mind, yeah. like this might be on another list. This next yeah. one's another one. Who's the, who's the female lead in Tinko? Uh, Rene Russo. Rene Russo. So the other, this one I had in mind might make another list one day, so I'm not going to put it on there. That's Wally. Mm-hmm. I think Wally's a really great movie. Which Jay was one of your movies in the animation format. You got a good memory there. Yeah, you should. Yeah, that's right. Um, Sp- Speed is a masterpiece. Somehow, the movie. Yeah, what about I was gonna the say? S- but the, sco- the movie too is the, pretty impressive. The score. <laughs> <laughs> I also I like the movie. Here, <laughs> uh, I think that movie score is one of the all-time scores. I think it's really well made. It's 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 good. It's good. Somehow, really good. That reminds and me. And it's got all these feels, too. It reminds me of The Rock. Like, it's just done perfectly. Yeah. Just, uh, so many elements, so yeah. many parts, so many characters. It all works. It, it would is. be one of the things, one of the movies I would consider for best action movie of all time. I think I would. Oh, it's would, it's yeah, definitely would, like a top five movie for me. probably action. go there. Yeah. yeah. Um, so the next one's also on the action movie list. It's True Lies, James Cameron. Yeah. yeah. That is probably number two or three for me. It's. It's up there with Mission Impossible 3 behind Die Hard. Uh, the next two are very good movies. No uh, one's going to complain about Arnold over here. I mean, Jay was on the Gentleman's Agreement episode where we went through Arnold's entire <laughs> filmography in, in long form. So I'm picking up what he's putting down. That's it. Check up that episode. It's time stamped if you don't want to hear about Gregory Peck's uh, Self- Selfishness. <laughs> so the next two are really good movies. Uh, there Will Be Blood. Probably would have won Best Picture any other year. Yep. But it lost to No Country. It's one of the few movies I saw twice in the theater. I did too, actually. It's not one of the few, but it's one I did see twice. I saw No Country three times in mm. theater. So this is like a busy month for me with those yeah, two movies. Yeah, in the... In... <laughs> that was me becoming obsessed with movies. I'm like, this, these two movies are amazing. Yeah. Uh, the Aviator by Martin Scorsese is just quietly... Quietly, a, a fucking way amazing future. movie. It's way of the future. It's way of the future. It's future. And then uh, we, I tricked Kieran into being interested in this one on Saturday. It's Thor Ragnarok. Okay, Thor Ragnarok. It's yeah, Kate Blanchett, Mark Ruffalo, Matt Damon, Taika Waititi. Yeah, it's He's also in it. Um, I think that one stands out as not truly a Marvel movie and more of a. A character film, like a movie about characters and story that they just happen to be like, let's use Marvel characters. So I, I, I stand by that one. I think it's a great movie. And I watched it last night to see if it would make my top ten. Because I was fighting with that, The Rock, Pacific Rim. They're, they're all in the... Yeah, in that little bracket. Yeah. And it's... I'm leaving The Rock and Pacific Rim on over these movies, but it's it's really close with Thor Ragnarok. Yeah. That's a really good one. Okay. Have you seen Thor Ragnarok, Jack? Yeah, it's hilarious. It's so funny. Jeff Goldblum is so yeah. fucking funny Matt in this Damon movie. Matt Damon's yes. amazing. Yeah. Chris Hemsworth's brother is, plays Liam Hemsworth in, in, imitating Thor. It's like, it's so <laughs> funny. It is. Yeah. It's a little less serious than most Marvel movies. And There's like four funny. serious scenes, and then the rest is a joke. It's so like Marvel picked like these certain characters where like okay we could be really funny with these guys and they just go nuts with them Guardians of the Galaxy you know Thor and then they, when you get to like other Marvel characters like Doctor Strange there's one liners but he's not you know <laughs> yeah, goofing around yeah, yeah. and he's in it for like ninety seconds <laughs> and the Hulk is amazing yeah good ones so those those are my honorable mentions 
Okay, good, a good list there. I'm interested to see what these top two ones are that made that final cut. I feel like you could predict these. Uh, I, I'm, not, I'm not in predicting mode. I'm just sitting back and reacting here. So All right. we have number two, RDB, the silver medal on the list is. Number two is from 1964. An insane general triggers a path to nuclear holocaust that a war room full of politicians and generals frantically tries to stop. It's his Dr. Strangelove, or How I Learned to Stop Worrying and Love the Atomic Bomb, by Stanley Kubrick. It's got George C. Scott, James Earl Jones' film debut, Sterling Hayden, who plays the cop who punches Michael Corleone in Godfather and has probably the death, the best death in the Godfather movie. McCluskey. Face planning into the table after he gets shot in the head. Officer McCluskey. And Peter Sellers plays three characters in this movie. Mm. This movie is from 1964. If you haven't seen this movie and you watch this movie, you will not believe the dialogue is from 1964. You won't believe the camera work is from 1964. The story and the sub-stories are so ahead of their time, but yet the story structure is so simple. This this movie is just an all-time American classic. It needs to be seen by everyone at least one time. I guarantee it won't be only one time. Me and Joey R. both put this movie on every like 14 to 21 days. We text each other. We literally, like every few days, like I'm watching Strange Love. I caught this part of Strange Love. I'm, I'm putting on the middle of Strange Love. The movie is so fucking good. Yeah, wow. I mean, I'll, Jay, have you seen? Have you seen? Yeah, I have. I think this is a great choice. And I think uh, Sellers, it could be like argued that it's, you know, best comedic performance of all time. So this is the one that's Sellers considered half comedy. Yeah, no. I think it's like a satire. Like it's it is. Be, yeah. But it's, it's listed so, as like comedy drama. But when he's doing his, you know, moving his arm around oh, routine, oh, it's like God, it's amazing. perfect. Also, the guy was like, oh, yes, but uh, uh, the, the guy, uh, I forget his name. He's, he's got brilliant. a silly name that like next to, oh, the, the general who goes crazy, his name is General Ripper. <laughs> And it's cool just so to see, like, badass. Kubrick do something like this, you know? Kubrick's usually, like, serious or, like, you know, 2001, and then he does this. You're like, all right, this guy could do everything. It's an all-time yeah. ending as well. All-time. And, he, yeah, like you said, this is a Kubrick doesn't usually mess with massive stakes. This movie has all the stakes on the line. Global Holocaust. Yeah, I mean, I this is one I've been hesitating to watch. I know both you and Joey are have been heavily recommending it to me. Primarily because I think it's probably at this point very possibly the best movie I've never seen. So like there's a lot of pressure to that. And like I like the fact that I still have it to go to. So it's kinda like the you know, when Desmond and Lost has the, the last Charles Dickens book that he hasn't that he hasn't read and he's saving it for the uh, for the right the right time. That's kinda where this movie is for me. Because I don't know what, what then slides into that slot for me after I see it. So it's one that I, I, I hope to watch before the end of the year. I'm excited about it. I, I have a back-and-forth relationship with, with Stanley Kubrick. Some of his stuff is some of my favorite stuff, and some of the stuff I, I don't quite vibe with. But I'm, I'm pretty excited to, to first watch that one. You're right to wait, because wait till you have that, like, all right, now's the time. Yeah. Because yeah. then you'll get it. Yeah. You'll, you'll appreciate everything about it. Yeah, for sure. So that's uh, that's a big one in the two slot there. Right before you do the one, I did ask you guys, because I know that we do have 
at the intro of every episode, we do have a little uh, soundbite that usually pertains to the movie that we're discussing. Since you guys are having more or less your own episode as we do these, I ask you to pick an intro and an outro song and just, it can be anything, literally anything you want, whether it, it ties into the movies you're discussing, whether it's just one of your favorite songs and a new band that you like, whatever it is. Talk to me about the song that you let in with your audience. I so I really started to view this as my episode. So I wanted to exemplify my personality. So I bookend the, the, the beginning and end of this with two songs that I hope you can find a connection between and see what I see. So I started off with what I'm into right now, which I just is the new band I'm into, but they're going to be one of my favorite bands of all time, I could already tell, and that's Gojira with Silvera. It's heavy, but it's organized. It's it's loud, but it's it's controlled. I it's it melts your face. It's amazing. It's it's so cool. The guitar is awesome, and they're so good. I hope that when you hear the end song, you'll kind of see some kind of connection between the two. Cool. Very nice. All right. And you're. I think the listeners who are loyal listeners mostly know you as the person who rips apart most popular and famous songs one by one. Whether you're rattling off Paul McCartney or the Rolling Stones or. Uh, Pink Floyd, or one by one, not. I love them. Pink Floyd. Yeah, you buried them all in the pilot, the comfortably numb situation there. Oh well, he picked the live the version choice. for the movie. <laughs> Just play the real version. Oh boy. Well, anyway, like that first song there kicking in. I'm excited to see what the closer is. But without further ado, are we ready for number one? Here we are. Okay, let's do it. All right, 2012. We haven't touched on any Quentin yet. Jamie Foxx, Christoph Waltz, Django Unchained is my number one. It's my wow. favorite Quentin Tarantino movie, period. It's one of the best movies I've ever seen in my life. Um, I love revenge movies. I love Rags to Riches. I love Bounty Hunters. I love clever dialogue. I love awesome villains. I love clever henchmen. This has everything. Bright colors, great music, it, literally everything. With the help of a German bounty hunter, a freed slave sets out to rescue his wife from a brutal plantation owner in Mississippi. Wow. So your number one, Quentin, you actually said that in the pilot as well. So this, you're coming full circle a bit here with that. Would you say that Quentin's your favorite director? I have a hard time with that. Mm -hmm. I, 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 I have a bunch of directors that I view as top tier. And yes. I, I don't have a... I, I can't pick one as my favorite. I kind of look at it similar. I'm kind of vibing with you on that one. I, you know, I... I have a hard time picking one guy as like, this is my favorite director. Yeah, because they do different things really, really well. And I... He's he's up there. He's definitely up there. I like pretty... I like every movie he's made. I can't say he's my favorite director of all time. That's a hard thing to say. Because now I'm omitting people that I love. Like, I love yeah. the Coen brothers. I love everything they do. It's... it's yeah. Django's number one. Jay... Django Unchained, any thoughts on, on the movie? I like the movie. <laughs> it's a good movie. Christoph Waltz is awesome. Yeah, yeah. I... <laughs> Not your favorite Quentin nah, movie? I would go Kill Bill if you, if for revenge. Quentin. That's up there with me. Yeah. But I have no problem with the movie. Dude, this is one I revisited this year because I know you were you were big on it. It was one I, I, got a, I wanted to check in. I had seen it once when it, when it first came to, to video. And yeah, there's definitely something there with it that I think people don't quite grasp the first time they see it or they don't quite vibe with the first time they see it. It's a movie I, I gladly would put on again tonight. You know, I, I think it's... Christoph Waltz absolutely crushes it. 
and does so in a manner that's kind of difficult to think about because of what he did in Inglorious Bastards. And it's like it's, it's hard to it's hard to go back into that type of character without becoming a caricature of of yourself. Of yourself. And yeah. there's also there are also some scenes in this movie that I think are some of the best acted scenes in the history of cinema where Leo, Samuel L. Jackson, Jamie Foxx, Christoph Waltz are sitting around a table. There's some great tension in the scenes. And, <laughs> yeah. and I'll t- uh, behind the scenes thing, after filming some of those scenes, they would Samuel L. Jackson would walk back into the kitchen and Leo is on record as after they say cut going, that guy's the best fucking actor I've ever worked with talking about Samuel L. Jackson. Yeah. And there and Christoph Waltz and Jamie Foxx are like, oh, absolutely, 100%. It's th- and it's so and uh, Christoph wins his second Oscar for this, and it was like second in like three years. Yeah, it was <laughs> yeah. he was yeah. just cleaning up. But he had yeah. like Quentin was. This is like I feel like Christoph was like born for Quentin's dialogue. You know, he yeah. he um, actually said in his award for did he win for Glorious Bastards? He did, right? Yes, yeah. He said, "I want to thank Quentin Tarantino for rejuvenating my love of acting." Wow. Yeah. There you go. Unbelievable. Yeah. Really good. Yeah, it's a movie that I think I kind of personally believe would have had a better chance of winning Best Picture if there was one particularly grisly scene that was not included in it. I think that that scene alone might have hurt its chances. Just the Mandango scene? Yeah, I, I think it was probably just a little too brutal for the Academy. But, you know, I, it's who knows? I mean, it was it was a year where I think movies could have grabbed the brass ring there, but... It's it's a it's a wonderful movie. Number one, that's a big statement. But hey, it's your favorite list. It doesn't. It's not a. It's not a statement that anybody has hey, any right to challenge. You know, I'm, so. I'm being true to myself. If I see Jackie Brown on, I'm not leaving it on every time. Even Pulp Fiction, I've seen it enough. I don't leave it on every time. If I catch Django, I'm leaving it on. Wow. Every part. Very cool. Well, I mean, it's it's a it's a great list. If you out there, you want to comment on Artie's list, you want to. Give your two cents on any of those movies we discussed. Do you want a quick recap? Uh, yeah, let's go. Let's go down from ten, 10 to one. All right, number ten, Pacific Rim. Number nine, The Rock. Number eight, Fargo. Number seven, The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly. Number six, Okja. Number five, Die Hard. Number four, Step Brothers. Number three, Interstellar. Number two, Doctor Strangelove. Number one, Django Unchained. Love it. And if you out there, you want any comments on Artie's list, you want to add your own thoughts to this, you can get us on our email at bestpicturepodcast at yahoo.com. You can check out any of our social medias, whether it's Instagram, whether it's Facebook, whether it's Twitter, whether it's Letterboxd. That's going to be at bestpicturecast, bestpicturecast. Type it in there. Subscribe, review, let us know. Jay, closing thoughts on on Artie's list there. Any movies that, out of those ten that really pop out to you or, or you plan on going back and checking out again after discussing them tonight? The list as a whole was a very well-thought-out, well-balanced list, for sure. A um, little bit of everything, and me and you personally know how much he, th- he thought about this list <laughs> yeah. and yeah. how excited he was for it. So, uh, great job, Artie. Thank you. I yeah. appreciate that. Good delivery, and I will be watching Okja. Probably that's that'll be up. yeah, that'll be my that'll my be on deck. next one. I'm so, the uh, the Doctor Strangelove. I'm still waiting for the right time for that one, but Okja is going to be right on deck. I'm hopping into that one. I can't promise you I'm going to be watching Pacific Rim anytime soon. That one may have to wait, but 
Yeah, yeah. no, what? I got I got a good one for you. Tim R. Okay. You know, yep. Tim, all right, Tim yep. R. Participated in our animation draft. Uh, he randomly saw Pacific Rim in theaters and messaged me out of nowhere and goes, dude, I saw this movie Pacific Rim. You got to see it. It's unbelievable. And I was like, I never would have thought to see that. And I was like, all right, sure. And that's what led to me seeing the movie and loving it. He was right. He, he's, he was spot on with that one. And that's a Guillermo del Toro. And yeah, then- he creates all of the monsters, all of the robots by hand. Like, he creates them. He There's no second unit. There's no art director. It's him. Yeah, wow. Wrote That's it, great. directed it. He's fucking the man. Dude. And he's, he's... He's really funny, too, if you ever listen to him talk. It for sure. And he's a director we'll get to at some point here, if we ever get to that mysterious Shape of Water. Speaking of Tim R. Yeah, <laughs> this Shape of Water <laughs> episode that was supposed to be about episode 8, I think. And here we are, 30 episodes in, and... We're supposed to be in season one, we're supposed to be season two, we're trying to get in season three, we'll see if we'll be four, five, or six. But you know what? That should be a me and Tim R episode because we could discuss Pacific Rim. We'll see, yeah, we'll see how it how it ends up shaking out. But Artie, any closing thoughts on your list on the experience on on how this thing came together? It was a fun exercise. I really enjoyed having to do it. Um you know, I can't promise in three months if I made another list, it'd be the exact same thing. But that's where that's what this is. That's exactly right. We kind of more or less put this out as like a power rankings of movies as, as where we sit. Yeah. Okay, well, Artie B., thanks for doing this. As we said, you've been on 15 of these episodes. I'm sure you're going to be on several, several more of these. And I think you are going to be back for another one of these or another few of these. You may be back. You may or may not be back for one... <laughs> on Jay Dowski's list. You'll see. And I think you may be hosting one where I give mine. Possibly. We'll see. Ooh. We'll talk about that. It's a little role reversal. But anyway, we're signing off. Thanks again. Get us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, at Best Picture Cast. RDB, where can they find you on Twitter? You're kind of a mysterious Twitter handle. I'm at at Hey, it's me. But it's three Y's, two S's, and one E. Okay, that's right. Hey, it's, it's me. He's got uh, RDB and his tag from and, and as heard on BPC in there too. So. Yep. Okay, Artie, play us out here.